0: You're gonna be boring if you think you're boring. The audience has to be your first priority. So if you're talking to an audience that you haven't thought about, what do they need to hear from me? If you haven't thought about their best interests, then you may need to reorganize or retool your message.
1: Hey, welcome to The Chill Factory, where we make work, school, relationships, and life less stressful, with expert interviews, rapid relaxers, and great resources. I'm Jordan Friedman. We're almost at the 50th episode of a show about stress reduction, and we have yet to talk about the thing that is most stressful for people. No, it's not spiders. It's not homelessness. It's not nuclear war. It's not even death People tell pollsters year after year, and maybe you know this from experience, that the most stressful thing to them is public speaking. Well, to correct this omission, I've invited Rosemary Ravenel because she's a bilingual public speaker and public speaking coach. And we cover everything from Rosemary's inspiring route to public speaking to the top public speaking stressors and smart ways to prevent and reduce the stress they cause. In addition to helping people who are making presentations in person, Rosemary has adapted her coaching method to help people who are doing virtual presentations and leading meetings online. In fact, she's created something called the Zoom Score, which is based on 10 essential elements of video meetings. Rosemary is also former Vice President of Public Relations for the Entertainment Division at Univision Network, the first Hispanic contributing news analyst for MSNBC, and hosted numerous award-winning radio and television shows in the New York area. And her first book, The Joy of Thinking Out Loud, will be published in Fall 2023. And after the interview, we'll have some new chill music from an old friend of The Chill Factory. I started my conversation with Rosemary by asking her why are so many people stressed out by public speaking.
0: It is one of the biggest myths, I believe, Jordan, because when you look at some of the science behind it, it really is more performance anxiety in terms of being rejected, it's embarrassment in front of your your peers and your community it goes beyond public speaking. It's misunderstood, but in a way, I rather like it because as a public speaking coach, it really gives me purpose.
1: Now, Rosemary, when you were a kid, you had a stutter. And I'm really curious to know, how did you go from having a stutter to being a public speaker and someone who helps others with public speaking. And was the stutter a driver to that?
0: Yes. Disfluency is really more an accurate term. It, it really started more into my early teens and well into my mid-20s maybe even to the 30s when I started to work professionally. It was a pronounced but controllable stammer, stutter. In other words, I was able to find ways of working around the sounds that I knew would, would trip me. And that was something that I was able to figure out on my own. I, I figured it out in spite of all of the therapy that I underwent because I realized that if I learned to breathe into those sounds that would stumble me, for example, the P sound, like people, Peter, Even my chosen profession in my early career, public relations, would trip me. I then started to take a breath before I made those sounds. But in truth, Jordan, the one thing that really shocked me out of a stutter was speaking into a microphone. When I was in college, I studied broadcast journalism, I tried for a long time to stay on the print side of journalism or to be behind the camera or script writing or doing other things that didn't require me to be in front of the camera or to speak. But then part of the requirement was to do radio. And I remember sitting in, in the in the booth, in the broadcast booth, looking into that microphone with total total dread. I was dripping, dripping with with perspiration. My hands were shaking, my my legs were like noodles. And I summoned the the fortitude and the will to be able to speak into that microphone. a little stilted, I remember. I spoke very slowly, but I was able to get through it. I think I probably stumbled a couple of times, but afterwards I felt like, yes, I can do this. It is possible. I just have to have the tenacity and the determination to overcome it on my own. And I have to say that there are some times when I'm very tired and I feel stressed that it comes out. It sort of hops its head out and says, hey, you thought I was gone. No, I'm still here. The stutter is still part of who you are, which goes to the acceptance of the fact that it is it is a part of me. I've learned to embrace it. And that's just part of what I think we we have as individuals is our uniqueness. So it's about working through the stammer to be able to say what you need to say the way you need to say it.
1: I don't know if you've ever heard the story that Carly Simon sometimes tells of her childhood, and she had a really debilitating stammer, to the point where she couldn't speak at the dinner table to ask for the salt or ask for the butter. And once her mother said to her, Carly, why don't you sing it? Just just sing Pass the Butter, please. And she tried that, and it worked. And Perhaps it led to her uh, career as a singer or in part as a singer, but like you, you've developed these other skills that many people don't have as a result of dealing with this challenge. So, bravo. Rosemary, you use the acronym BLISS, B-L-I-S-S, to help people remember some key things to think about and to do to reduce their fear of public speaking, to reduce their stress around it. And I love this. And I'm hoping we can talk about uh, a couple of them. And the L of bliss, love your audience.
0: Yes. Well, the L is for love because love empowers. Whatever you love, you are empowering. So it goes both ways. If you love your audience, you are not in dread of them. You know, there are these, I think, maybe old-fashioned books about, you know, uh, eliminating your fear of public speaking by thinking of your audience as sitting there naked. Right here, did you ever come across that? You're envisioning people sitting there with no clothes on.
1: <laughs> oh, it's, it's a famous Brady Bunch episode where Marsha has to do a presentation, and, and that's what uh, I think her father suggested.
0: Yes, yes. Well, don't do that. You want to th- throw them love and respect and consider them just people who uh, you want to gift with your ideas, right, with your message. So if you connect with them on a human level, you are giving them some of your love. So it it really helps to reduce the anxiety Uh, and at the same time to love yourself and love what you're doing and have a great sense of your own worth as you're speaking. So you have something of importance to say and you're gifting your audience something that they will appreciate that they will love to receive. So the love from both sides of the equation, I believe, is essential. And I think we could approach a lot of what we do in in our everyday lives in that same mode.
1: And how about the first of the two S's?
0: The first of the S's is SMILE. And I'm talking about a sincere smile, a smile that engages your eyes and the crow's feet and all of your facial muscles, the, the smile that usually comes with a good laugh. And that smile is, is such a strong connector. It will help relax you as the speaker. It will activate you know the neurons of happiness in your brain. And it also transmits just a, a joy, you're happy to be there. You're letting people know that you're happy to see them, you're happy to be in their company. And the smile is contagious because people tend to mirror a smile. So you're emitting this joy and this good nature and you're receiving it back from the people in front of you. So it it has this remarkable uh, sort of feedback loop where you're sending a smile you're getting it back because you know how challenging it is to speak to an audience of sour faces, right? Or people who are still, Jordan, people who are looking at their devices and not looking at you. Mm. And that is something that uh, can be terrifying to a novice speaker, because you're not getting people's attention. So the smile is probably the strongest nonverbal connector that we can use.
1: Great. And the second S of bliss.
0: Oh, I'm glad you asked me about the second one. It's service. It's service. and it has to do with the fact that you are providing something that is of value to the people you are addressing. So you have something worth sharing. Now, you're not and, and this goes to you not necessarily following a script you are giving of yourself, of your ideas, of your person, of your warmth, of your personality to the delivery of a message to other people. And you're using your body and your voice to do that. You are guiding them towards different ways of thinking and, and looking at things. You are inspiring them to be better people. So there's just so many ways that you're providing a service. So if you if you take the focus away from you... Oh my god, what are they gonna think? Or am I gonna I'm gonna fail, I'm gonna forget my lines, or am I going to stumble on my audiovisual? Take the pressure away from you and say, ah, what am I giving to my audience that will help them be better at what they do?
1: Hmm. Great, great. There is a greatest hits, if you will, of things about public speaking and presentations that freak. People out, really stress them out. So I'm wondering if we could do a little lightning round here and I will name them. And if you could give some quick tips about how to address them, that would be super helpful, I'm sure. Ready?
0: Wonderful. Are you going is to, there, is there a bell? You're going to go cling when that my time is <laughs> up.
1: <laughs> no, because that would be stressful uh, to you, I think. So I won't do that.
0: I will be as succinct as possible. Thank you. I'm ready. Thank you. Okay. okay.
1: First one, they won't understand me because of my accent.
0: uh uh-huh. Nonsense. You can speak at your pace using your natural ability. Just be aware that there are words that you can substitute Maybe you need to speak a bit more slowly and break down your syllables on those difficult words. Break them down into their little components and just don't put any pressure on yourself. Find a different way of saying it.
1: Great. The audience won't be interested in what I have to say or another way of saying that is they'll think I'm boring.
0: You're going to be boring if you think you're boring. Because again, it has to do with that love. You need to love the topic. You need to to trust that what you're saying is something uh, where you have expertise. But this is the thing, Jordan. The The audience has to be your first priority. So if you're talking to an audience that you haven't thought about, what do they need to hear from me? If you haven't thought about what is the itch that they need to be scratched, if you haven't thought about their best interests, then you may need to reorganize or retool your message. So you have to really speak with the audience in mind first, and then you won't be boring.
1: Yeah. And if I can just add, as someone who has also done a lot of public speaking, You can ask the audience about themselves and what they want to know about the topic you've come to talk about even before you start your formal remarks. Even when you're meeting and greeting people when they come into the room of where you're going to speak, if that's possible, to start with a conversation. And then you'll really be able to address directly what their concerns are.
0: Yes, and Jordan, that's such a wonderful tip because if we have that opportunity and we can sort of warm up the room a little bit, then you can actually make reference to, hey, during our uh, meet and greet, Jordan asked me a great question. He, I'm going to share it with everybody because I think you're all going to enjoy this. So it just brings the all these 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 pieces together in such a beautiful, harmonious way. It's a, it's an excellent idea.
1: Okay, next. I'm not going to be able to remember what I'm supposed to say next.
0: This is the thing. It's not about what you're supposed to say next, because you're not doing a memorized script. And that's where people go astray. They think that they need to memorize what they have to say. In essence, what you need to do is have basically these chunks of information. Know where you're starting, sort of what chunk comes next and what chunk comes after that, and then what your powerful closing is. And that's really the structure that will allow you to have those moments of blank brain where you can say, you know what, I forgot what I was going to say next, but let me tell you, I'm going to jump to the next idea. And you can just really flow with it and be light on your feet and not freak out. But do not memorize. And I think that that's the downside of memorization is uh, blanking out.
1: Okay. Last of the greatest hits, but I would say in my experience talking with people about reducing the stress of public speaking, this is the number one concern that that I've heard. Question and answer time, and specifically, what if I don't know the answer to a question that someone asks?
0: That's the easiest one you've asked me, actually, because you say, I don't know the answer to that question, but... I do know this, 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 and that. Or in some cases, you might want to say, you know what, Jordan, I don't have an answer, but give me 24 hours and I'll get the answer to you.
1: You do a lot of work, Rosemary, around executive presence. So what is executive presence? And I assume that presence is important even if you're not an executive, right?
0: It is. It's something that everyone needs to aspire to, regardless of what industry or what type of work they do. It's elusive. It's elusive in that you can't really pinpoint this one thing. So it's a combination of of, of, of exuding confidence. But the confidence comes from being prepared, from knowing your stuff, from having a level of mastery of your of your subject and having done your homework. And then with that comes the the, the charisma of, of knowing how to use your personality, how to have good, good communication skills, good two-way communication, being a good listener, uh, having good body language, being able to read other people's body language as well. And then speaking with clarity, clarity and being concise in what you say, not rambling, not, being, not going on tangents, being focused and being really an exceptional listener. And, and those are qualities that that executive presence is one of the factors, uh, even when there are searches for board members, boards of directors, and um, C-suite executives.
1: Hmm. And everything you said does apply in so many areas of our lives. In in having a conversation with a relative, yes. a, a, a spouse, uh, someone you live with, um, trying to work something out between you what you said can absolutely make a difference right
0: yes it's really uh, being disciplined in the way you speak you know there's there's a saying that uh, the best speech that you will ever regret is the one you give when you're angry so if you if you if you process that you know we speak a lot when we're angry we say things that we will regret but if you, are thoughtful, mindful about what you're saying and to whom you're saying it. It will you know it might just make for a more peaceful world, right? If we don't just latch out uh, out of sheer emotion and, uh, and, and, and then have to then do the cleanup afterwards. Uh, and that's, um, that's unfortunate that we're falling into those patterns largely in our discourse. But yes, it, it, it starts with having some empathetic, communication, really having more of a of a of a sensibility as to how the other person or the other people are responding to what you're saying.
1: Rosemary Ravenel, thank you so much for coming by the chill factory and filling the factory with so much inventory around this really challenging activity that is so important in our lives, in so many areas of our lives. I think we may have to build a new warehouse to store all of the great tips. Seriously, there's a lot to act on here. So um, I I really appreciate your time and your wisdom. Thank you.
0: Oh, I am delighted. And I feel very chilled and relaxed right now, Jordan. Thank you. This has worked for me.
1: Oh, great. We've both done our jobs then. So uh, that's fantastic. Be sure to check the show notes for more about Rosemary Ravenel, including her free resources for in-person and virtual public speaking. I love when we get to play music here on the Chill Factory, and today we have new chill music from an old guest. Addie Goldstein was the star of episode 12, which we called Soothing Music Man, and he's just released a new album called NEVO, that's N-E-V-O, all caps. Here's what Everything is Noise magazine says about the album. These 14 tracks evoke a certain imagery of forlorn yet gorgeous snowy landscapes, warm inviting homes, and nature dreaming of the radiant spring ahead. Let's take a listen to a sample of the album's first track, Still Life. still life by Addy Goldstein from his new album, Nevo. By the way, Addy's music also appears on the Chill Factory app, namely the magnificently sleep-inducing track called Slumber Party, which is in the Sonic Spa. It's quitting time for this episode of The Chill Factory. I'm Jordan Friedman. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to follow The Chill Factory wherever you listen to your podcast, so you'll know when new episodes are available. And there's always more at thechillfactory.net. And as William Shakespeare said, mind your speech a little, lest you should mar your fortunes.